Hello and welcome to the On The Whistle podcast. My name is Alistair Howarth and today on our preview series we are looking at the Gambia national team, the Scorpions. They came into 2021 as the darlings of the tournament, the lowest ranked side ever in Africa Cup of Nations history and they made it all the way to the quarterfinals. This year, can they do better? Can they go one further? They're in a tough group and here to dissect that group and their chances with us is Gambian journalist Buba Jalo Falobe. Enjoy. Today, we're having a look at one of the most interesting and fascinating teams on the continent. They rose from pretty much nowhere, complete obscurity. I think at one point they went five years without a victory in FIFA competition. And yet they made it all the way to the quarterfinals of the last AFCON in Cameroon. I'm, of course, talking about the brilliant and exciting Gambia team gambia who did such were the story of the tournament at the last afcon i would say alongside the comoros but have qualified yet again are back in the tournament in 2023 and here to talk it, everything gambia through with me is buba jalo faloboe buba thank you so much for joining us today how are you doing brother yeah i'm doing fine and thanks for having me yeah, Buba, it's great to have you because Gambia is one of these teams. You know, when we talk about AFCON, you know, all the stories f- focus on, you know, the big teams, your, you know, your Senegal's, your Morocco's, your Nigeria's. But this is, for me, is what where the AFCON is such a rich tournament is kind of the smaller teams that have, have developed have pushed through, you know, and we've seen the successes of those, you know, Cabo Verde, you know, Equatorial Guinea, Comoros. But I think Gambia were, were definitely the most exciting, obviously making, as I said, making it to the quarterfinals of, of the last tournament, um, losing out to, to host Cameroon in the end. But, and, and not just, you know, surviving against, you know, smaller teams, but knocking out Mali, Guinea, you know, beating Tunisia, you know, proper you know, big giants of, of the African game. And and I want to hear from you, you know, they were the lowest ranked team to ever come to an AFCON. As I alluded to earlier, they, I think they went five years without winning a competitive match uh, when Tom sent, before Tom sent Fiat took over. You know, this is a team that was, you know, banned for two years, you know, I think between 2014 and 2016. And yet now they're considered a team that is, you know, qualified for back-to-back AFCON. How has this happened? What is the story of the Gambia? How have they come from nowhere to being, you know, one of one of the better sides on the continent? Well, I think uh, football has decentralized a lot in Africa uh, because uh, Nigeria, Ghana, Cameroon, and of recent Egypt have dominated African football for quite a long time. Uh, and it's a similar case to South Africa. So the most driving factor in this case is the players themselves. They have been watching African Cup of Nations. They have been watching World Cup. And they wanted to be part of this uh, this, this, this Cinderella st- story. Uh, so I think that was end of motivation because we all grew up. I grew up putting a lot of posters on my in my house. Rajabit Song, Patrick Mboma, supporting the great teams of Cameroon in the 2000, Nigeria. And even we supported Senegal because we were close neighbors to them when they were in the World Cup in the African Cup of Nations. So... It's a quiet motivation from the, for, for these young players growing up in the academies, growing up in these clubs, wearing this, calling themselves like Patrick Mboma, calling themselves like Eto, or even these European names. I think it was an inspiration for them to finally get this, uh, the, the, this time and remind you or remind the world that and it is done with limited support. It is done with limited resources. So if that support, if that resources are combined with experience, because we lost to we lost to Cameroon because of we were not experienced. Because uh, to reach at that stage 
or to proceed from that stage, you need an experienced coach, you need experienced players that will not be affected in that crowd that was in Japona uh, for the for the, for the quarterfinals. But uh, but I think uh, we uh, I think with the support because it's disheartening that the Gambia haven't played at home in the back of Independence Day for the longest time, and I, and I think it takes a toll on the physical uh, on the psychology of the players because despite them not used to playing at home uh, because of the fans' pressure, but it should be rewarding for them, especially when they came from Cameroon uh, to have uh, to, 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 to have that celebration with them. But I think what is what is coming next is even bigger than uh, the history in Cameroon. In Ivory Coast, it will be difficult, but we have young players, the likes of Alma Bujang, Mahmoud Bajer, the Okron under 20, that went toe and nail uh, against Senegal in, 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 in Egypt, and that went to the round of 16. So now also we have encountered not so not a giant in Africa, but we, we can always think because before Senegal or Ghana, Nigeria dominated the African football, uh, the minors don't have that lot of... Uh, the minors were not highlighted so much compared to now. Hmm. And and kind of looking at that, you mentioned that the under twenty Afcon. We obviously had had the under twenty Afcon earlier this year, which which Senegal kind of unsurprisingly won. You know, the the strongest, you know, arguably the strongest team from you know the, the youth categories all the way up to to the senior team. But you guys, like you just said, got to the final. You, I think you as well. You got bronze in in the U twenty Afcon in in twenty twenty one ahead of last Afcon. You know, how is where is this young crop of amazingly talented players coming from? Is there kind of is that through the development that is, you know, like you said, there's so little resources. Is it the type of thing where there's just an am- amazing talent pool or wh- where are these players actually kind of coming from? Because, you know, we don't have a super strong league in the Gambia. We don't have the infrastructure, you know, like you said, you know, they're one of the countries uh, like many in Africa who can't actually play their their home games, their competitive games at home anymore because of CAF's you know, new stricter regulation. So how have they been able to develop, you know, continually over the last few years an incredibly exciting young group of players. Yeah, uh, I think we have to give credit to the academies, uh, to the football clubs, uh, the likes of Real de Banjul and the famous academies around the greater Banjul or around the country and the local coaches. They are also limited in resources, in infrastructures and everything, even in the capacity, because those are not the coaches, coaches that have these biggest lands in, across in Africa. Uh, but remind you, a, a, a natural Gambian footballer is talented. A natural, a, 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 a natural Gambian footballer is talented. If you go back to Sevilla, they still have the banner of Biri Biri, and that played long for he passed away maybe four years ago, and they still have his his banner there, and they still sing his song during the matches. When you come to Sweden, you're golden. They have the great. They have the great. Uh, Pardon Boture. When you go to Casa Sport, Senegal, you have the song of Lamin Jaju. And these Gambians, when they go out, they dominate in those in those lakes. You know, most of the players like Jato Sisi, they dominated the lake. When even Steve moved to China, among the first Africans to move to China, he was making a headline of for himself. He dominated the China's lake. So then they start. Uh, so they, they so they start to. Uh, to, to 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 take a look at at, at where who are these players, uh, you know we have the talent, but tactically and technically we were not there. We were still raw, but the emergence of Steve, the emergence of Musa Baro, 
like I mentioned earlier, well, the Banjul, Hugs, and all these countries, they contributed uh, to, uh, to to the success of these players that we are seeing now. And there are even some players that didn't even play first division and second division, and they managed to go to, uh, to, to, go to Europe. So now we have a, a, a huge presence uh, in, 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 in Europe compared to last uh, compared to the last 10 years and if you go back to the summer transfer that has concluded here i think we have all, almost 90 players that have moved uh, that are gambian players that have moved maybe they have not hit the ground and start running but in the near future there will be a lot of uh, positive and remind you the greatest talent that we are having right now if he is not even the greatest talent, that is Yankuba, Yankuba Minte, that went from AC Hossins, uh, he signed for Newcastle, and now he's in Feyenoord. And like there are so many caliber players of Yankuba Minte, and he's just 19 years old. So I think uh, we have arrived, we have struggled, as you have said. We have been banned for two years. We haven't won against Central Africa, against Congo. We haven't, you know, so we, we're still building our team. But as I said earlier, what what is what we are expecting as a journalist, as a fans, is far bigger than what is what we have seen so far. Mm. Uh, yeah, and like you, I think you put it really well. Like expectations are so so much higher. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and and, and, and remind you, yesterday Arama Arama Bojang made his debut at the age of nineteen years, one hundred and eighty-two days. Uh, like taking a player from the Gambia, you know, so like if you look at the the connection between Mets and 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 generals on the foot, you know, they are already integrated. They are they're speaking the language. But I have been telling people that like yeah, Arma will have his time, especially with the international break, because this is the time where coaches put you to more on your on on your pace and to take to give you all the technicalities that they have there. And like as I said, this is just the beginning. If you look at Ablai Jalo, Ablai Jalo. Apply apply Jalo of 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 Mets or even the time we had a, a great presence of Gambians in the Serie A when it was Musa Baro, Ibrahim Koli, Musa Juara, Ibrahim Dabo, and all those kids were given their debuts uh, when they were in uh, when they were uh, with these Italian uh, giants and they 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 they, they played a great number of games. I think Musa Baro almost played for 100 games in the Serie A. And it's a huge achievement uh, for a player of his caliber, a player of his age. So I think in turn, he's also a great inspiration. If 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 where he's, he's coming from, or the club he's coming from, they are seeing that Musabaro went up to the state to play uh, the, the, to play in the Serie A, a lot, of thing, a lot of kids will be still dreaming that they can also play there. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you, it's really interesting because we're seeing this unbelievable amount of talent. You know, Adama Bojang had a brilliant, you know, under-20 AFCON. And, you know, he's, he's you know, not even getting into the team yet. You know, it's, it looks like it's exciting for the next, you know, decade, not just the next few years. But you see, you know, you've said that the players have the talent, but they're lacking the technical and tactical kind of side of the games. How important has the head coach, Tom Senthiet, been to developing that side and bringing the Gambia you know, into kind of the, the eyes of the world in terms of football, you know, taking them from a group of, you know, potentially talented players who playing all over the world. I think at the last AFCON, you had players playing in 17 different countries to being this coherent team that has a good structure, plays, you know, fairly good football and, you know, was able to make it to the quarterfinals. How, how important has he been to, to the story of the Gambia? Yeah, I think uh, uh, it will be a class of patent because uh, the national team, does not play similar to what the under twenty plays. Uh, we have two different coaches in the in the in the, in the, in the under twenties. That is, 
Matan Buch and Lai Abdullah Bojang. And both these two coaches played different system compared to what Thompson fit uh, plays. Or even the coach of the under 23, that is Abdul Abdul Jamme, that currently currently resides in 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 uh, in uh, in Finland. So I think it's a class of patent because that's what we want. We want the same identity. What the national play, teams plays, it filters down to the under 17 or our under 15. But that is not the case. So Tom Selfit is working with experienced uh, players, uh, players that are determined, players that listen to his instruction. And I think one of his strongest character is that, like, to give them that confidence, to give them that confidence that you can beat anybody, you know. And that is the kind of the confidence that we are, we will be looking ahead when we arrive in Irish Coast because we'll be playing a derby, and we'll be playing uh, a very fast match against Mali because this or Guinea, they still have that revenge in their mind. So I think uh, he doesn't have much to do. With the younger team, with the younger teams, uh, he has been there to win their games, to support them, um, but he has a different way uh, of how to play and how to win compared to this, uh, the under twenty. Because one of the most favorable results was when we beat Nigeria. We have been struggling to beat Nigeria in the under twenties, but last the last time we beat them, I think one zero, we beat them. We beat Nigeria, and like just to come back uh, to 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 to. Uh, to close the chapter of Ghana and Nigeria dominance in the under 20s, in the under 17. I think that was a great work. And uh, to be honest, they play beautiful football. But here with the national team, we are a bit cautious. We defend our goal. We defend it. We we hit players. Uh, we hit teams uh, or countries on the counter-attack, which can be sometimes very tiring. This can be sometimes very boring. And which sometimes can be very can be easily interpreted by other coaches or other technicians. Mm, yeah, and, and you know, you talk about the, the tactical style. I think what what stuck with me from the last Afcon was was two or three things. Was you know, Gambia was incredibly organized. I think he only conceded one goal before the Cameroon game, in, in which he conceded two. Uh, so in those first four games, he kept three three clean sheets. But for what, from what I saw at the AFCON, actually, it wasn't a team that was breaking really fast in a lot of other kind of teams that were playing, for, you know, some of these smaller teams. But actually, there was there was quite a lot of buildup. You know, I think back to that that goal you scored against Guinea in the 1-0 win in the round of 16. I think there's like 17 passes in the buildup to that. So for me, the Gambia was such this kind of strange, you know, uh, concept where most teams who defend deep, they want to hit on the break. But actually, and, and you did play like that, but when you needed to, you were able to keep possession and able to play it up the pitch. Uh, but then the other thing that struck me was just how good the goals were. You know, Gambia, you, you guys won those games with, you know, a ludicrously small XG because uh, especially Ablai Jallo, you know, that the, especially the, he was just striking them in from the edge of the box. It was, it was beautiful to see. But I want I want to look at how how do you say, you know, that how do you see that AFCON performance and result impacting the country and impacting the development of football? Like how is Gambia going to turn from a tiny country that has no, that has very little football pedigree, you know, hadn't been to an AFCON before. How do you turn that from just being a one-off success to being a sustained period of actually the, developing into like a, a properly successful football nation? And what does that look like? What does success look like? Yeah. You know, so many people can claim credit. So many people can claim uh, the credit, but because of the limited resources that we are having, we cannot move to the next stage compared to Mauritania. Sometimes you need a visionary leader 
you know, because we know the money that FIFA is pumping into these into these countries. But most of these countries that are doing better off, look at your own country, Kenya. They were banned because of the government interference. Look at Zimbabwe. They were banned. Look at uh, Uganda. They were struggling. Rwanda is coming, but they are still struggling. Tanzania is coming. They are still so. If in Nigeria, you know, when they fail to reach the African Cup of Nations, when they fail to reach the World Cup, the scandal of Ghana in 2014, and they are struggling uh, from the last African Cup of Nations. So every country has its own problem, but we are not finding solution for the problems, and we are not growing. You know, there are some few individuals that are making names for themselves that are having the profit, but still now. We are struggling with infrastructures. We have struggled with parks across the country uh, to have this division, uh, this division one uh, and division two marches, especially the female, the female marches. So when you look at, you will look at that they have nominated Tom Sandwich as the coach of the year for the CAF award, the Gambia as the team of the year. But when you come back to the reality, when you come back to the reality, the reality are the are the referees that are playing these games are they paid? Because most of these referees now. They just within they just within WAF level. When when shall we have referee for the CAF? When shall we have referee? When should we have FIFA referees that will be you know? Because for the longest time, Papa Gasama have been carrying our name and have been carrying our image. You know, when you hear Gambia, you 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 you, you wait that much. You look at oh, this is one of the best referees on the, in in the world. Then the next section is that he's a Gambia, so he has been carrying. That image of Gambia, but when the under twenty came, started from the WAFO and uh, you know back to back, because we we qualified for the uh, in the in, in, in the World Cup that was supposed to be to play in Indonesia because of the COVID came. So because we took third, we beat uh, Tunisia in the in a in the third round, and then we repeated the same that we reached the final in the next two years, the, the, the last edition that was played in in Egypt, but like. The, the, the beautiful image, the beautiful image uh, and the expectation that people see is far from the reality that is in the ground. And I think is hampering our, 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 our growth because one of the success that you can attribute to is that like when we had those performances, like we were expecting players like Isva Bok, he's currently without a club and he definitely is faded away from the national team. Like one of the success should, be, should have been uh, those players getting contract, getting bigger. Bigger, bigger, bigger contracts uh, attracting agents to come and see the game. But the agents are still coming, but they are still coming with the few, with one or two links and connections they, 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 they built over the five years. So, like the beautiful story, it's not what is going with the, uh, with the reality in the country because we even struggle. We even struggle uh, to return back home after the Cameroon game. We spent in Cameroon two days to, 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 uh, to return back and those are stories that also that have been read and that have been analyzed uh, analyzed across the across the continent and across you know so you will see that uh, the performance that we had was overshadowed because how we behaved when the players or the team could not return in 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 time they were they were stranded so that negative story become the talking point and the reality that like that uh, that that fever that you should feel out, like Gambe is, uh, uh, mind you, there was a massive celebration from the first game to the second game to the third game because we were divided by politics, just like in Kenya, we were divided by politics. So the only time 
we come and put the nation together is when the national team is playing and when the under 20 is, is, is playing. But like we haven't reached that success. That uh, That's why I believe we deserve to rename the, the team of the year. Although Morocco stand a great chance to win and Senegal, we deserve, Tom Senfield deserved uh, to win the coach of the year because of what he is working with, the materials that he is working with, with the limited resources, resources, the limited access and the limited funds uh, make a very incredible story uh, for the Gambia. Hadn't been we have those limited resources and phone, uh, I think we could have been far away because football is fuel uh, by money and person. Mm. And, and you know, if you're watching this and listening to this and you want to hear more about in particularly Tom Semfiet, you know, we did a big two-part interview with him last year. So please go back and find that either on our YouTube or wherever you listen to, to podcasts on, on Acast and uh, Spotify, etc., but I, I want to then now look, I mean, after all, we're previewing the AFCON, but we've been talking a lot about Gambia's past, but we want to talk about the future as well. You are in the group of death. There's no getting away with that. You know, this is, this, in my opinion, is the most difficult group at, at this tournament. You've got Holder Senegal. You've got Cameroon who got to the semifinals or at the World Cup. And then you've got Guinea. And Guinea, again, are, are one of these teams that, I, I, you know, I think of them similar to Burkina Faso. They always have quality players. We always hope that they'll be kind of dark horses and they never quite reach it. And then you've got Gambia. Like you said, that's a derby against Senegal. You know, you're playing the team that knocked you out against uh, in, in the last AFCON. And you're playing the team you knocked out in the round of 16 in Guinea in the last AFCON. And you will definitely be viewed as the, the team that, despite, you know, having that brilliant performance in the last AFCON, you'll still be seen as the as the fourth team. Um, and, you know, to, to give some sense to that is that despite being the only team that pre-qualified for the AFCON qualifiers back in 2011, uh, 2021, Gambia were also the only team that is now at this AFCON that had to pre-qualify. That's how lowly ranked they were coming into the last AFCON, that despite that performance, they still had to pre-qualify again. And, and of course, now Senegal, Cameroon, Guinea, they know what to expect. You know, Gambia is not going to be a surprise. You're not going to you're not going to be underestimated by these teams. So how do you see the team performing against these kind of larger nations? Because we've seen that since the AFCON last year, you've had some really good performances against big sides like Mali, again, beating them and losing to them. But then also, you know, in this previous uh, international window, you know, an away loss against Burundi and, and a loss to the Ivory Coast. And obviously Ivory Coast are one of the favorites. And, you know, you saw that, uh, you, you know, but that Burundi game was, you know, un uncharacteristically very sloppy from from the national team in terms of the defense. You know, some of the goals that were conceded off set pieces, you know, lofted crosses. So how how is how is Tom Semfiat, how is the team going to approach this this next AFCON where every single game is going to be a huge against a huge team? Yes, I think uh, I have to borrow Tom Sanford, one of his phrases that like the other teams, they have more pressure than the Gambia. Like we have nothing, nothing to lose. But I, as I said earlier, I think the players have their eyes set on the bigger price. Uh, uh, you did mention of during this match, and I think it's a worry as a fan, as a fan or a journalist, when you look at the Brunei match and looking for what what is what awaits us is a big is a big concern. Uh, we don't have the resources to play two more test matches. I think there will be there will be some there will be some few days open for people to play. You understand this big nation, Cameroon, Senegal. They will be they will they will manage to tap in some friendly matches, but I don't I'm not sure. Uh, we will be able to do that as a country. And I think we are just 40-something days away from the tournament. You know, so Tom has a lot of homework to do. 
uh, I don't like when he stressed so much that we have missed several players. I don't like because I, I don't like when he says that we miss several key players and and we did miss players in those matches that you are talking about. Had hadn't been had it been that we had applied Jalo against Cameroon because Guinea targeted him. You know, I think it was tactical. Guinea, you know, targeted him and they took him out of the game with an injury. Hadn't been he was he was playing against Cameroon. He it will be have a difference uh, a difference. I cannot talk the other the the other clubs, but all his goals for Mets they have been top class goals. You know they have been they have been top class. Yeah. So yeah. So I so I think as I said to you, like these players, they. They wanted to face the this big bigger bigger nations, you know, as uh Cameroon is as good as Mali because they have the quality uh, to go far in this in this competition. But as a journalist, I think that if we have to move from that pot four, we have to play against these teams. We have to win against this team. Because if we don't play against these teams or these countries, or if we don't win against them, we will we're still gonna be stuck on that pot four. And it hurts a lot as a country, you know, to be pitted on that part four. So the only reason we can we can get out of part four to part two or part three is to win these games. And I think it's, it's winnable. But as you said, uh, so many coaches now have known our tactics that we sit back and we, we attack. We attack often when it is too late. And 95% of the governments want Tom Senfit to attack. But with the materials that we have, we decided to sit back. As I was just doing an analysis uh, earlier on today, that Omar Kuli he did score against he did score for Batista uh, on Sunday, and that is because whenever they need a goal, his coach will allow him to go up, and uh, and he's already he's already four goals in this season, he's almost equaling the goals that he he scored in Finland or in in in, in Sweden or even or even in Belgium. So you see that, like this weekend, we scored seven goals. Like this weekend, we scored seven, seven different Gambians scored goal. But when you look at the games against Burundi and 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 Ivory Coast, it didn't. The goals didn't reflect there because there were no goals because we attack when it is too late, or we attack when it is impossible to do that. But for the surprises of our coach, they also well aware of that. We can we 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 we, we can attack. So I think. Like uh, Tom, he's good in those kind of games and those time of fixtures. So I think there is no pressure. We will play all out. We were playing against Cameroon in their own country, the pressure and everything. But now we maybe we have learned our mistake. So we may attack them. But our game against Senegal is very crucial because it's the first game. That is the key to the tournament. Uh, Tom Senfield always say that we would like to stay in the tournament as long as it is possible. And if that is the case, we have to win at least our first game and and the second game. But he has already calculated that four points is enough uh, as a as the best losers, you know. So we will stay as long as uh, it goes. Mm. And and you know that that first game, you know, you're talking, you you are playing Senegal, the holders, but it's not just Senegal. It, 
as the holders. It's Senegal as as Gambia's big brother, as Gambia's biggest rival, your your local derby. I want to ask as someone who's, you know, I've never been to Senegal or Gambia, how is there a big rivalry there? Is there kind of when Senegal and Gambia will it be kind of is this a special game for for the country as because playing Senegal instead of any other team? Because you know, for those who don't know, Gambia has one neighbor, only has one board, it is Senegal. There is no other country. So is there is there something special to this game because of that? Yes, it's something special. But there's an agreement right now that like most of these Senegalese players uh, that are born in France and, and other countries, they don't know the importance of the game or they don't know the importance of the of the of the derby. So that's also an argument that they are giving. But uh, I would like to take you back. Maybe you have covered that the last World Cup qualifiers between Ghana and Nigeria, inside Nigeria, when Ghana booked their ticket. You saw what happened. And a similar thing happened in 2003 and in, 2000, and in 2008. And the Gambian fans have been begging on their knees uh, just to meet Senegal. You know, they have been, you know. So when the draw came, it was like, wow, now they really wanted to play Senegal. And there was no other way it was happening. And it has happened in the in the under 20s. I think we have played four times. And, you know, they, they have shared the wins among each, each, each order. And even the under 20 final in Egypt, it was a tense final because it was Gambia and Senegal. And I think uh, this current, uh, however, this current generation of the Gambian players, they are well aware of the history uh, of the, the tragedies that went uh, in 2008 and in 2003. So they are well aware of that. And, you know, maybe they would like to stand toe-to-toe uh, -to -toe with, uh, with, yeah, with them uh, because it will be a very sad day to whosoever loses that game on that particular day because of the fans are really up. You know, it's, it's like big brothers and big sisters. You know, they can joke on the social media and on the radio, uh, you know, and Senegal have been showing that they are superior and Gambia is inferior. Uh, to, to, to them. So there have been that, you know, all those kinds. So it's a lot at stake. And I think the Gambian players, they are aware, they are aware of the situation. Absolutely. That, that, that sounds so exciting. Pupa, thank you so much. We just have our quick fire round of, of, of questions to finish off that we've been asking all our experts and all our journalists. So I don't want you to think too much in these answers. I want quick snappy answers, uh, but I've got a few for you. First of all, I think we've touched on this, but Gambia's best player coming into this tournament, who is it? It remains Ablai Jalo. It remains Ablai Jalo. Mm -hmm. Okay. And who, who we've, we've obviously talked about the, the under-20 team, but are there any youngsters that are going to be in, in the tournament who are going to be in the Ivory Coast who we should keep an eye out for? That's the wish. But I think hopefully Mahmoud Bajo can make the mm -hmm. cut. Mahmoud Baja. Okay. And how and this is the big one. How far are Gambia gonna get to this tournament? I want you to make a prediction. How far are the team gonna get? Uh we will reach the same position. That is the quarterfinals. Okay. A quarterfinal. I love the confidence. I love it. All right. Who is going to win the tournament, the twenty twenty three AFCON? Morocco. Morocco. Who's gonna be the top scorer? Uh is either Abubakar of Cameroon or the uh, or, or the Guinean striker that plays in, in, in Germany. Oh, Gihasi, yeah. Okay. And final question Who is going to get the player of the tournament award at the AFCON? Sadio Mane. Sadio Mane again. All right, Buba, thank you so much. I love the insight. I cannot wait for the tournament to start. We cannot wait to, to, to produce all of this content for, for you listeners. And if you're interested in, in seeing it at all, we're doing a preview of every single country, the biggest preview in, in, in football 
about the Africa Cup of Nations 2023, hit us up on social media, hit us up on YouTube and Spotify on the Whistle Podcast, OTW underscore podcast on uh, Twitter slash X as well as Instagram. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Yeah, thank you.